Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. We're going to be in John chapter 6, verses 30 through 40. Uh, So Dan and I are going to be running through a series of the I Am statements uh, for the next several weeks. If you're not familiar with those, they are seven different statements throughout the book of John where Jesus makes claims about who he is, about who God is, and what that means for us. And so this week's statement of Jesus is, I am the bread of life. That reminds me, there's one announcement that I forgot to make. We're doing communion differently this morning. So we are going to be passing around loaves of bread and tearing off a chunk. If you're not comfortable with that, we do have little communion cups on the tables in the aisles, and there's also bottles of hand sanitizer. So if you didn't wash your hands, don't, you know, touch bread with, you know, greasy or germy hands that's then going to be passed to everyone else in the church because that's not cool. So uh, feel free to hit up the hand sanitizer uh, or grab one of the little uh, to-go communion cups if you're not comfortable um, having bread that other people have touched. But I think that it's an important way to celebrate how we all come together like a family here at communion. Um, So let's read the scripture. Starting in verse 30. It says, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those who the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes, I will never drive him away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Let's continue in worship. You know, it does feel rushed sometimes. And sure, it's about a quarter after nine now. But by golly, do I love communion Sundays. I really do. It is children's church time, Kenny. I know. We, we screwed you up up there. It's all right. You can put up the children's church thing, or you can go to my sermon. Kids, you can, you can skedaddle. 
It's Communion Sunday, though, so uh, as I like to teasingly say, the old farts have got to stick around. So if you're in fourth grade or up, you're stuck. It's what I call the kids who uh, stay in my Wednesday night group. They're also, they're also fourth grade and up. Um, and when I separate them, I say, you know, preschoolers, you know, you go with Kenny, and you know, kindergartners through third graders, you guys go with Lori, and then all the old farts are stuck with me. So the bread of life. I was excited about this. In fact, this is what um, inspired this sermon series to me, was this idea of the bread of life. I talked to the kids at Camp Judson about how Jesus is the bread of life. And what that means for us really stuck out to me in a way that I wanted to be able to share it with you guys. When Jesus says he's the bread of life, what do you guys think that means? Maybe. maybe. Oh, what? Oh, I don't know what just happened. Having some technical difficulties this morning, but that's okay. Sometimes that's how life goes. She's not the only one. And I might have accidentally turned off my remote, which probably didn't help anything anyway. But what do you guys think it means? There we are. All right. What do you think it means when Jesus says he's the bread of life? Sus- Ooh, yeah, sustainment. You guys are on the same page there. I don't know if it's this third aisle thing or what. They both said sustainer. And that's huge, right? When you're hungry, and I mean really hungry, it's way easier to go for a heavy carb meal, right? You want lots of rice. You want lots of bread. You want lots of pasta because it's filling. It's comfort food. Yeah. It is comfort food. Bread is good stuff. And in the Middle East, bread at this time was sort of the staple. In a similar way to, um, you know, if, if you think about a traditional American meal, it's meat and potatoes, right? So our heavy starch is the potato. For them, instead of meat and potatoes, it was bread and mostly fish. They would eat some other things as well, but bread and fish was their meat and potatoes. And so, for them, when Jesus said he was the bread of life, he was that sustainment. And because Jesus was a Jew and he was among other Jews, there is something that would have really stuck out to them about the idea of being bread of life or bread from heaven. Right? And another thing, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he had just done the feeding of the 5,000. This was like the last miracle that he'd done, and some people kind of followed him. Um, He walked on the water, he hopped in the boat, and when they got to where they were going, the people were there, and bread came right back up into conversation yet again after he'd fed all of these people. And so, I would imagine that some of these people, they weren't even necessarily thinking 
of what Jesus was talking about, about sustaining us. Or maybe not even about Moses, which is the next thing Jesus brings up. They might have been thinking, oh boy, maybe I'm getting another free lunch from this Jesus guy. He's not too bad to hang around. There's always leftovers. We have some leftover bread here this morning. But that's not what communion is about, right? It's not about the bread. Not about how much bread we have or what kind of bread we have. And in a similar way, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's not saying, I am a loaf of Tuscan bread from Wegmans. These people, they didn't really understand what he meant. And Jesus points this out. He says to them, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. They weren't following him necessarily because of his miracles. Some of them weren't even following them because of his teaching. They got food in their bellies, and they came back for more. And others, potentially, you could argue, They weren't just filled by the bread. Some of those people might have been filled with the teachings of the Lord and sought more of his wisdom, more of his authority. It's described when Jesus teaches in the New Testament that he taught with authority. It even says not like the scribes, which is funny because the scribes were the ones who should have had authority when they were teaching. They were the people who copied the word, and wrote it down, and read it constantly. They should have had that authority when they spoke. But Jesus had a different level of authority. And people recognized that and saw that in him. He also points to Moses. Why would he point to Moses? Manna, exactly. Manna from heaven. Jesus said that he was the bread that came from heaven. And in a similar way, when Israel was wandering around the wilderness for those 40 years, God provided food for them from heaven. And it was manna. But Jesus says that he is the bread of life. That he will sustain us. And the manna, it was good, but it says that you had to go out and you had to gather your portion every single day when the manna came. When the manna was provided to Israel, it was something that went bad very, very quickly. If you've ever had a fresh-baked loaf of bread you know it's not as good on the second or the third day, right? It's just not. It's good, right? But it might get stale or crusty a little bit. And you can tell that it's not fresh out of the oven anymore. Well, manna was way worse than that. Manna, if you had leftovers in the morning, you were looking at maggots. It was nasty. 
Now, God did that on purpose. It says he did that to test Israel, to see if they would walk in his instruction. He gave very specific instructions. You were to go out each morning and grab only what you needed for the day, except the day before the Sabbath. He didn't want his people working on the Sabbath. And so he said on the Sabbath, well, the day before the Sabbath, you're going to grab two days' worth for today and then for the Sabbath. But the rest of the week, you're only going to grab one day's portion. It didn't last. They needed to go out there every single day and get it. But with Jesus, he says, He who comes to me will not hunger. Now, I do want to sort of emphasize one thing. Jesus, yeah, it says that we will not hunger and we will not thirst. So we don't need to go back out there every single day like the manna. However, this is more of instruction on salvation than it is on faith. For faith, you should be out there seeking your daily sustenance from the Lord and relying on Him so that your relationship is growing. But with salvation, Jesus takes care of it one and done. Not like the sacrifices of the Old Testament where every time you sinned, depending on what kind of sin it was, you'd have to offer up a certain kind of offering. Jesus paid that once and for all. He satisfied our spiritual needs through his sacrifice, through his body broken for us, that bread of life. So it's better than what Moses offered. Because it sustains us spiritually. And his sacrifice was once and for all. But I want to encourage you to go out daily because of your relationship with God. I want to talk a little bit about provision. How God provides for us. There were three things that really spoke to me about provision as I was preparing for this sermon. And these three things were it. The first one is that God provides for our needs, but he does expect us to work for them. Paul, when he's giving instructions to the early church, a lot of people in the early church actually sold most of their worldly possessions and basically lived in a commune. And there were some people who were being lazy. And they weren't going out and working and bringing back things for the rest of the group. And Paul said, if people aren't working, don't give them food. It's not that you don't like those people. And it's not that we don't all have bad days sometimes or need to take a break. But... If you're not willing to put in the effort, if you're not willing to put in the work, if you're not willing to help those around you or even yourself, 
Paul was saying that they needed a little bit of a kick in the rear to get things going. God will provide for our needs, but that doesn't mean that we can sit on the couch and expect everything to be dropped at our feet. There is a balance. Like I said, Jesus took care of that sacrifice for us once and for all, but we need to keep working at it each and every day. The Bible describes it as working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We need to keep working at it, keep moving forward. One step each and every day. But in faithfulness, God will provide for us if we're leaning on him. The next thing is that God will give us what we need, but not necessarily what we want. You guys ever asked someone what they want for their birthday or for Christmas? And they don't really need anything. And they'll say something to the tune of, oh, I don't want anything. Or maybe they'll sarcastically say something like, oh, a million dollars would be great. Right? That's not, that's not a reasonable request to make of someone. At least not in U.S. dollars. I mean, you might be able to go to some country that has the crazy hyperinflation and they bring out wheelbarrows of cash to buy a loaf of bread. And say, here, I got you a million dollars. Or, yeah, you could get those little million-dollar bills. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those. They're pretty fun. But anyway, um, there are a lot of things that we might want. But God says that he'll provide our needs. When it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, that doesn't mean that you're going to get absolutely everything that your little heart desires. But it does mean that God's going to put clothes on your back and food in your stomach. But again, you got to be willing to put in the work as well. And lastly, I want to encourage you that God knows your needs better than you do. Now sometimes that is a hard pill to swallow. Sometimes we don't want to admit that we need to let something go. Sometimes we don't want to admit that we struggle with something and need help. Sometimes we don't want to admit that we can't do it on our own. And in those moments, God does know what you need. And you know, it, it might be humbling. It might require you to apologize to someone. It might require you to be held accountable for your actions. And that can hurt sometimes. Because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I screw things up pretty bad. And that can sting. I know I've said it a number of times, but it just always rings true, and it cracks me up a little bit deep down inside. When I was a kid, my dad had me memorize a verse of the Bible, and it was Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. 
I thought it was great because I was allowed to say the word stupid. And then I got a little bit older and realized what that verse meant. <laughs> I do feel stupid sometimes, yeah. Sometimes those aren't the things that we want, but they're the things that we need. And God knows your needs better than you do. So I want to encourage you to lean on Him. And sometimes you might not like it. Sometimes it might not be fun. Sometimes it might lead to things like persecution, which happens in the church all over the world. But God knows what we need, and He will provide. I really liked this verse as I was reading through 30 through 40. It said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. If you come to Jesus, He's not going to let you go because He loves you. It reminded me of a certain pop song from the 80s that has made a resurgence in the last 10 or so years. Because Jesus is never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to run around or desert you. Never going to, yeah, I know, it's good stuff. Never going to make you cry, never going to say goodbye, never going to tell a lie or hurt you. He's better than Rick Astley, though, because Jesus was perfect. Jesus made that sacrifice for your life. Dan, I see you holding back that, Mr. Danny. So Nathan Bartlett sometimes goes by Danny. I ask him about the nickname. Not now, yeah. It's the middle of a sermon. But you're going to have to ask him about that one. Jesus loves each and every one of us so much. And I know that that was silly, but he seriously will never fail. It says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. He closes out this passage promising salvation, promising a new life through Jesus. He said, I myself will raise you up. I want to ask you guys today, have you been raised up? Do you really know what it means to have Jesus as your Savior? Do you seek Him for that daily sustenance Is Jesus just as important as your morning cup, or three cups in my case, of coffee? Yeah, only three. Thank you. It's about a liter. That's what my kettle says. Anyway. Is Jesus more important to you than that? Do you know what that means for your life? Because not everybody eats bread every day. I don't. I've actually had it go bad. I have to keep bread in my freezer. 
Part of that's because I live by myself, but I also don't eat bread all the time. But coffee does not go bad in my house. And so maybe there's something for you that you look forward to each and every day. Maybe it's a hot shower to help kind of soothe any muscle aches and feel a little bit cozy and make sure you're feeling clean before you get to go to bed. Or maybe to help you wake up first thing in the morning. Maybe it's a morning run. Maybe it's seeing your pets or your siblings or your children. Is Jesus that important to you? And if you want to know what it means to have that salvation in Him, that relationship with Him, to see Him sustain you through those hard times, I want to encourage you to talk to myself, to talk to any of the deacons, people who came up and offered the bread and passed out the juice, Because Jesus loves you. He will not turn you away. And he will provide for your needs. You just need to seek him. That's all it takes. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us so that we could rise up and be with you, so that we could have a renewed relationship with God Almighty, the creator of the universe. I thank you that you want to sustain us each and every day. And I thank you that you meet our needs even the ones we don't recognize or don't care to admit. I pray that you would draw each of us nearer to you and that if anyone here doesn't know you as their bread, as their morning cup of coffee, that they would seek you, that they would want to know more about you, so that they could be given a new life through you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.